Welcome back. This is Fantastic Pains and How We Hide Them. And I'm not Chris. And I'm not Karina. But we're here together. <laughs> we are. We're here. And we have some interesting things to talk about on today's episode. That we do. Hopefully. Yep. So we kind of sat down and we talked about what we wanted to kind of cover. Because mm-hmm. there's so much to this whole thing, which is why this is a podcast and not short series this <laughs> yeah. is an ongoing adventure it will never end and we learn new things continually so again like we're not the experts here also we're the experts on ourselves send questions our way i'd like to to answer yes. any and all questions i think personal it'd be really or cool. otherwise yeah the more personal the better <laughs> you might get really ridiculous answers if you do that though that's why i want them i It'll want be hilarious i want the good answers there you go <laughs> <laughs> So what's on our agenda today? Here, I'll put the agenda. Aha. Those Mm. are our topics. So when we talk about kind of our experience, and we've talked about our journey to diagnosis and kind of from there and what that looks like. Um, So we thought we'd kind of get a little bit more in depth with the experience of... um, Again, living with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Yeah. And what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. So we have um, doctor shopping, which I know I mentioned earlier. It just has a bad connotation, too, just saying It really does. Like, we... And it's really interesting to me, because if you think about it, they are service providers, right? Yeah. And generally, when you're working with service providers, you can be a little picky and choosy. Yeah, like you wouldn't stick with certain internet if you if right. you hated it, but it's you don't get that same feeling with a yeah. doctor. You're like, if we're not vibing, I'm stuck with this guy forever. Right. <laughs> and that can actually that can be really detrimental all the way around. Yeah. Especially if you have kind of a background of medical neglect, um, like a lot of zebras have. So kind of getting into doctor shopping. Um, this kind of came up for us because very recently I kind of axed part of my team and replaced um, with new providers. So I axed my um, gastro and I axed my neurologist. Yep. Yep. Um, and so far, fantastic decision, but it took a long time to make. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I had done it sooner. Um, but again, it's that like negative piece in your brain and the game that you have to play to get your needs met Mm -hmm. yeah well um, part of that is knowing when you need to change to like you said you you waited too long yeah and a lot of that was you didn't feel like you needed to right until it was your primary care right that suggested you need to see someone else for neurology exactly so my neurologist not my neurologist my primary care um (laughs) very just kind of subtly threw it in there and was like, <laughs> I think maybe you need a second opinion. And there are other neurologists. Yeah. And then it hit me and I was like, oh, I'm allowed to do that. That is a thing I can do. I'm allowed. That is that is okay. It's weird. You feel like you need permission, but exactly. you do. Exactly. Yeah. So I took that permission and I ran with it. And that um, I just knew I wasn't vibing with my gastro at that point either. So when I kind of cleaned out my provider list. <laughs> Time to update. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think we have a much better team now. And I use the word team because it's really important that 
they're all communicating appropriately and you're communicating appropriately with them yeah um in order to get your needs met see i have a completely different experience Hmm. all of mine are separated so they don't talk between each other right so i define groups that would work independently and agree with each other without having to explicitly talk right because they they all try their best i it took me like eight years to build the team that we have now Right. And it, it was yeah. like four primary care providers, five pain management clinics. Um, I went through a bunch of like nephrologists, oncologists, not oncologists. I never, well, I did have to see one for that tumor, but yeah, that was a whole other thing. Um, what am I thinking of? Endocrinology. Yep. I need to find a new one, actually. I don't have one yet. I haven't. I need one. Dealt with that part. My testosterone's way wrong. That's the other fun part about EDS is you kind of have to prioritize your needs exactly and then just tackle things as they go oh yeah so um, i've been doing surgery priority yeah exactly so surgery was priority and now yep. that i'm eight weeks out i think um mm, sorry now that i'm eight weeks out from surgery uh i'm starting to think about other things and right mm-hmm. now we're working with neurology to see what's going on in my neck which I'm really excited about. But that's not for another month. So yeah. now it's the waiting game. I want to work on fatigue. Yeah. That'll be my next piece. Heck yeah. Well, and you're doing that this week, right? Yeah, Monday. Woo! Hopefully. David seems like a really nice guy, so I don't feel Good. like I have to hide it. it. It won't be one of those things where I have to like shuffle around the subject. Like, yeah. well, you know, I've been having this. I don't know. Can you help me maybe possibly with my problem? Uh-huh. No, I can... He's one of those doctors you can actually tell him what's going on. And right. He'll give you a healthy response. Uh-huh. What he thinks is right instead of... Yeah. Which is good. Well, and my neurologist asks questions, which is something <laughs> I was like, what? That's one of my notes from two weeks ago. What? Was um, having a doctor ask why. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? That's huge. You need a doctor who will ask oh, that question. Oh, my goodness. That was... And I just like looked at him because I was like, I don't have an answer for you. And nobody else has thought to ask that question. Yeah. Um, like, dysautonomia was the big one. He was like, do they know what's causing it? And I was like, Meh. No, they always just say EDS and move yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. So EDS is just, it's just, it becomes this umbrella term Yeah. for all of the stuff. Um, but my neurologist was like, it's possible to have EDS and other things, which my brain's like, I can't even accept that I have EDS half the time. So <laughs> Let alone another problem. Right, exactly. Like, my list of diagnoses. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about um, how do you know that you need to find somebody else? My my situations have always been really dire. Like, I'll stick with someone and be like, well, maybe it was the first interaction or maybe it was the second interaction. You know, like, maybe next time they'll trust me more to where right. I can talk to them. Really, it should be if the first interaction you have with this person is off-putting, you should think about seeing someone else. Yep. Because yeah. you got to think of it. They're people, too. If it, It's like you wouldn't see a friend that you just randomly met that you hated all the time. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. These are people and you have to you have to get along with these people. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's important to remember that they have their own biases. Exactly. Like they, they have their own like go to mode of thinking. Mm-hmm. Those neural paths are set for them just the same way they're set for us. Yes. And so if they're not actively combating that. Um it's time to find somebody that you can communicate clearly with. Right. And I think a big part of that is that masking piece where depending on who you're with, um, 
and that's a I, that's just huge in general, where we like to downplay symptoms. Yes. And so a lot of the time we need somebody to keep us kind of uh, accountable. Yeah, that's why I bring Jen or you mm-hmm. to my big important like important yeah. ones. I take notes for myself. Yeah. Like I'll write things down that I want to go over or talk about um, to try not to downplay. <laughs> you have to, though. Yeah. But sometimes it can be really hard walking into an office and being like, this, 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 and this are all bothering me and having them look at you and be like, okay. Yeah. It's migraines. Right. But it's not. (laughs) The other part of it is that you have doctors who are going to hate your current treatment plan. Like they're going to mean they'll have the best intentions, but they're going to think that whatever you're doing is completely wrong and you need to stop it. Like I've run into that a ton of times, not just with pain management, but even in how I was treating my... Uh, testosterone levels before mm. they put me on an estrogen blocker yeah which was fantastic because it, it didn't put me on testosterone shots my entire life yeah i took that it raised the the testosterone again everything was good but i had other doctors chew me out for it really yeah i was like i don't know why you're this heated about it it's That's working crazy. for me and it's not hurting me in any way yeah i had sort of the same experience like i had um I'm trying to remember who did what but we stopped verapamil for a minute yeah um, cause they were trying to figure out something, something. Um, but I was taking the verapamil not for my blood pressure, but because I was having esophageal spasms and mm-hmm. it works as a calcium channel blocker. Um, so when I stopped that, they came back and then I wound up going back to my primary care and he was like, well, why did we stop that? And I was like, I don't know. They wanted to see if something would change. Oh, yeah. oh it was the fainting. Mm-hmm. Cause I was having, um, the syncope episodes. And so he stopped and the syncope didn't change and the esophageal spasms came back and he was Mm -hmm. like, well, that was stupid. Let's put you back on that medication that works for you. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, you want someone who's in your corner and who's actually interested in helping you. Right. I always end up in the place where I know that I need to change, but I always feel like I'm in the wrong. Like they're the doctor. Yeah. Right. They, They would know better. Like, I'm on this thing that's clearly working, but you think I should try something else. And it throws doubt into my head instantly mm-hmm. to where I'm like, I guess you're right. Maybe I never needed this right. to begin with. And then I suffer for my bad choices. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that, like, we want every doctor we see to be good, right? Mm-hmm. We want that to be the case, but that's not always the case. No. And sometimes we have to take the reins and be responsible for our care. And be an active partner in our own care. Yeah. Um, and I think that part is huge, being able to be an active partner in your own care and having somebody recognize that you're the expert on how you feel. Yes. Well, I imagine that they, they develop this kind of, I guess. Jaded. Yeah. Like, well, they're so used to people coming in and mm-hmm. just, they get this, 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 not like a feeling of superiority, but they know they have to be so matter of factual with some people. Right. To make them listen and follow through. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just show up and, and they're like, I have this little problem. Fix it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever. Right. Or they come in and they think they know everything and they become smart asses. And then they that's a really bad foot to start on. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the other part is because we are, we try to be really knowledgeable about what's going yeah. on. And we do extensive research. But it's also really hard not to come across as a self-diagnoser mm-hmm. or like, Oh, uh, WebMD told me blah, 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 blah. So a lot of the time, like I will throw options in there very carefully exactly. and you have to be, and even with the doctors that I do trust, I'm still very careful when I present like options that I, 
um, have researched or want to consider. Yep. That's what Monday's going to be. Be like, I used to try this medication. I'd like to try it again. Yeah. Well, and I was, uh, so my husband wants to get back on Adderall. He's got an yeah. ADHD. Um, and it was interesting because I was teaching him how to navigate the the system, essentially, how to navigate the medical system so that your needs are met without sounding one way or the other. Right. Right. So it's so hard when, yeah. when you think everyone's going to assume you're like a pill junkie. Yes. So you have to be very careful about what you're asking and yeah. why you're asking. Yes. Well, and that part's huge. The why. Yeah. And being able to explain yourself eloquently enough to, again, get your needs met. Right. So even just recently, <clears throat> I saw my PCP who manages like my pain meds right now. Um, and I had shingles and I had surgery. And so I've been going through them faster than I like to. Yeah. Um, but we've built a strong enough relationship over the years that he can look at me and go, you're really good about managing your stuff. You've been really good about making sure that you're doing this responsibly. I trust you with your care. So yes, let's do what you want to do. Cause I, I flat out asked him, I was like, how much, um, leeway or grace do I have before we have to talk about like a pain management contract? Yeah. Cause the contracts can be really difficult and you have, oh, I've, I've encountered that many times. Yeah. And you have a lot of background in that. Oh my God. So many, like when I went in for the fentanyl patches, they put me on and they, we did like, I went in and I was dying, <laughs> not literally dying, but I was, I was having an allergic or a, a severe reaction to the fentanyl itself or the, mm -hmm. the release me yeah. mechanism. It's like something in, in the way the patches work where I was, I was breaking on hives. I was swelling. I oh, was God. very confused. I forgot, like I couldn't tell what was going on anymore. Mm -hmm. I was running a fever. So we went into the ER and I was worried that they were going to have to do like, I was like, can you, you know, take care of me? And yeah. the guy thought that I was there for pills. You're like, I have fentanyl. Well, and that, <laughs> what do I need you for? I was for? like, why would you think I need that? He's like, well, we didn't see any other medication in your system because they did like a blood draw. They didn't see like Vicodin, I think was the other one I was on. Oh, uh-huh. But I wasn't taking the Vicodin because I was taking the fentanyl patches. Right. So then he says, oh, so you're out of your Vicodin. You're here for meds. I was like, no. no. He's like, I have to call your doctor because you're on a pain agreement. You're like, but no. That's not the... That's not at all what I'm here for. I'm here because I'm worried about dying from this fentanyl patch. Yeah. I'm not taking other opiates, which would usually be a good thing. Right. That's the other part. Like, they yeah, get super... Because I think the fear is that you're going to sell it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, if it's not in my system, that means I'm doing pretty well. Right. Like, so with my doctor, we have an agreement that, like, not an official agreement, but I have um, 30 pills over two months. Right. So it used to be over three months. Um, it used to be 14 pills over three months. So I had to do a lot of like groundwork to build that trust, to be able to have these requests and to have him have enough background to know that I'm taking care of my stuff. Well, think about it. You've come a long way to where you were able to manage it on that much. Yeah. Like you were, you knew when to take it versus when not to. Exactly. Like that's yeah probably part of the footwork he was worried about. Mm -hmm. So. Because that's the thing, is that with so many different kinds of pain, there's always another level, Yeah. right? Like, we don't know necessarily what our 10 is, because yeah. it's changing and evolving every year. So, because EDS is 
degenerative over time, new things pop up. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense that we're upping as we go, but it did. It took a lot of groundwork to get there. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that, knowing that I have more to spare helps me to take them when I need them. Right. You're not panicked yeah. as much. Because that was the other thing. That was the really hard thing when it was like 14 over three months yeah. was you would sit there in horrible pain and go, but it could be worse. Right. So instead of taking the rescue that you have for <laughs> the, that purpose, the there, yeah, yeah um, I would save them and hoard them. And most often my husband would have to g- come in and go, you need to take your meds. It's time. You're not functional. <laughs> You're crying on the floor. It's time. You're a puddle. It's yeah. time to move on. It's time. Yeah. So, yeah. There was part of that that I was thinking about. Um, knowing when to leave a doctor is another thing. Mm-hmm. When to leave a doctor. Like, and I'm thinking about when I left pain management in general the first few times. Mm-hmm. Because their idea of helping me was to increase every time. Right. At one point, I was taking four 10 milligram of, the, of Percocet yeah. a day. On top of... The extended release, which was an 18 milligram extended release, which was something along the lines of 30, an additional 30 milligrams a day. Ooh. And they wanted to up it more. Yeah. When I was like, I'm having problems with anxiety and I'm having really bad PTSD. Like, Let's just drug you. Right. And then the problem with that was that I would go to other doctors for other things completely. Mm-hmm. They would go over my med list and they would just instantly assume that I had a problem. My problem was that I was at a bad fucking pain management yeah. clinic. and. Well, and the other part is, like, the write-off you get from other doctors for being on medications. Yep. So for a long time with my gastrologist, gastroenterologist or whatever it is, um, they're like, well, pain meds cause constipation. And I was like, not at the rate I'm taking them. Right. Stop writing me off for being on drugs. (laughs) Like, that's ridiculous. Um, So there there is a lot of that where they're like, oh you're taking Percocet. Therefore, yeah. it's all of this Well, imagine stuff. them seeing the levels that I was on. Like, right. Well, and the funny thing is, is that we're learning now that what we take is not even close to a lot. No, not... No. In comparison to some people... Holy shit. We're taking, like, micro doses. <laughs> I had a conversation with my first nurse practitioner um, when we first started working on pain management, mm-hmm. when we were like, oh, it's Marfan's back in those days. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I know it stresses you guys out about this, but like, I, I worried every day that you're, you're writing me off because I'm taking too many. And she was like, mm-hmm. you're one of my lowest dose cases. Like, yeah, just know that you're not a problem. Yep. And I was like, okay, thank God. Yeah. First of all, because I thought I was like at the end. I thought that where I was at was max. Yeah. When it's like an eighth of what people take daily. Now, what about this, max. the like stigmatization that you had outside of the medical community? Oh, Jesus Christ. So like when people find out you're taking Percocet. Well, the problem is that mo- only people that would find out were pe- like family members that were very judgmental about it. Uh-huh. Um, my mom was okay with it because she understood. I mean, I never told her how bad it was. Yeah. I was never like, I'm taking like so many milligrams a day. I'm pretty much a fucking... Walking Let's take pill. 80 milligrams a day. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I was getting close to that. It's crazy. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, but fuck. <laughs> I had friends that were very concerned about me for a while. Yep. I was concerned about me, though. 
that was when I was super depressed too. Because mm. I, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of mental stuff that went from childhood and on. Yeah. That I wasn't processing, and I was still considered insane because I had I there was nothing physically wrong with me right. at the time, exactly. so we didn't know what it was. <sighs> yeah. So I finally left that that community mm-hmm. and found the place I'm at now. Because I, I told my doctors, like, I need to find a pain management clinic that works with the mental aspect along with the physical, because a lot of what I'm dealing with is more mental. Yeah. Like, I can cope with very little amounts of pain meds if I have, a, like, coping mechanisms. Right. And... Yeah. If otherwise you're doing okay. And that's yeah. the thing is that, like, we've talked about spoon theory before. Spoon theory and pain medication, I think, that it goes together mm-hmm. perfectly. Because the lower you are on spoons and on energy and on, like, fortitude, the less pain you're able to deal with on, Mm -hmm. like, an independent level. Absolutely. So, and I mean, pain can affect mental health that way as well. But it's definitely kind of this two-way street. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. no, And, like, last time I went in... um, he was really sweet about it. He was like, you do such a good job. We're not going to worry about like an agreement or a contract until you're take until we get to a point where you're taking it every day. Right. And I was like, that is fantastic. Thank you. Um, but at the same time, like Kaiser, because it's all in house is really good about that aspect as well, where they're like, you should probably get hooked back up with your psychiatrist and make sure that your antidepressants are working appropriately. Yeah and check your doses and all of that stuff um also so it wasn't like an instead of which Mm -hmm. i was really worried about um but with yes exactly and i think that like whole person approach is so important and knowing that you deserve that yeah (laughs) like you deserve to have someone look at the big picture of you it's got to be hard for some people though like imagine that you have this this whole stigma about mental health to begin with, mm-hmm. and part of your problem is your mental health. Yeah, and you're going into pain management for pain, mm-hmm. and they're like, you need to get your mental worked out. You're gonna look like a pill seeker. Yeah, they're gonna just make that assumption, even though you just you're like, I'm perfectly healthy in my brain. There's no yeah. reason, even though you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I like I've met people like that in in the group sessions. They would. Just like uh, there's uh, this older gentleman who had been through a lot, like he yeah. was open with sharing, but he was like, you know, my mental's fine. I don't want to be here. I, I'm not, I don't have bipolar like her or like he was calling people out. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> yeah, I know. He got <laughs> scolded, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm, I, I'm not depressed. I, I don't have anxiety. Yeah. Like, but you, you do have some of those things. Mm-hmm. It's okay to work on it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I learned when I was taking those classes, not necessarily like learned, but... I found really interesting was people's like fear of pain. Oh, that's huge. Being so huge as a factor, mm-hmm. like that anxiety of pain is enormous. Mm-hmm. And like, we've talked about like the dread you get, but it's not necessarily like anxiety or like, no. we don't fear the pain. We just get fed up. Right. Like you get to a point where you're tired and you're tired of being tired. Yeah. And then your coping skills go out the window because you don't have any more. <laughs> no, you've hit, there's a wall that you can hit. Right. Where the jokes don't work, where mm-hmm. your generic, like your, your normal everyday coping skills aren't helping. Yeah. And you know something big is coming. You can feel it. You just, mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah. It's yeah. like with anything else. Right. You can overwork yourself and you can do the same thing with pain. You can overpain mm-hmm. yourself by not right. taking better care of yourself. 
Well, and the chemicals that oh, are just constantly in your system because of pain. Mm-hmm. And I just find the mechanism of pain so fascinating to begin with. Like, it is, it's meant to be this, like, stop doing that thing. <laughs> For normal people, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, don't touch it. It's hot and it will burn you. Or, like, something is attacking you. Protect yourself or you're going to die. Like, that makes sense. But, like, the chronic pain where something is just constantly crying, you're just like, could you stop? Nothing is wrong. Yeah. I mean, nothing out of the ordinary is wrong. (laughs) I remember one of the, this was, like, suicidal times. I was Mm -hmm. on the floor shaking, and I'm rocking back and forth, and I'm screaming my lungs out, like, crying. And I was, like, yelling at my body. I'm like, why are we doing this? I know that there's a problem, but this isn't helping me fix the problem. Can we please stop? I've done that before where I'll be like, I hear you. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) Like, I hear you. I know. I'm aware. Mm -hmm. Please stop. (laughs) You don't have to tell me. You don't have to keep sending the message. We get it. Like, we're we're there. We're, I got it. (laughs) I heard you. Stop. Yep. Yeah. No. Pain is just fascinating. Like, the fear of pain. Is that really big thing that just, and I, I mean, it makes sense when you're like dreading the pain. And I don't know, like, uh, have you heard that story about the guy who put a nail through his boot? Yeah. He was in horrible, horrible pain until he got the boot off and it had not gone through his foot at right, all. Right. It was all. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. So like that anxiety, learning to manage that anxiety is huge. And so I think the classes are really valuable. And no, absolutely. Really important for people to understand the mental aspect as well. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to ask people to be that vulnerable when they're feeling vulnerable already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and... Like well, and it, people stuck in their ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, at the clinic I'm at, it's mandatory that you do so many weeks of group in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was excited as hell because yeah. I was like, oh, I get to talk to people and see what it's like. Because no one else had EDS, but they all had their own problems. Mm-hmm. But you could tell there were people there that were not happy about oh, yeah. this man first of all they were in therapy which they hated second of all they just wanted their meds and yeah. i was like guys you could at least try i know it sucks but right it's it's healthy but i mean based on research like that's how you combat addiction yeah and if absolutely we were doing that as a healthcare system as a whole we wouldn't have that problem so much and we would be able to give meds to the people who need meds mm-hmm. without that fear and that like toxicity that goes around the stigma of having pain meds. Oh God. Yeah. Like even my husband, it took up until like this year for him to be comfortable with me taking pain meds. <laughs> he's like, you're going to get addicted. I'm like, I'm really not. Well, at least he loves you and he's right. worried. You know what I mean? But I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> I, had... I would have to be taking that a lot more than I am <laughs> to get addicted. <laughs> I, all the time I'm asking Jen, Jen, are you going to divorce me because I'm addicted to pain meds? And she's like, you're not addicted. I was like, I know, but what if I was and we don't but know it? I... She's like, Chris, you stop taking your meds all the time and you don't crave them. I'm like, yeah, but shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Exactly. I'm like I'm paranoid all the time yeah. about taking meds. Constantly. Well, and that's how I became what's known as the heroin, heroin dragon. dragon. My husband calls me the heroin dragon. So I'm not an, I'm not an addict. I'm a dragon. <laughs> I hoard them. Until you absolutely fucking need them. 
Well, that's the other part. When you get on like contracts like that that expect it to be in your system all the then, time. Yeah, you have to be on them all the time. And it's hard, especially with EDS, the way we process medication. We build tolerance really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then it stops working. Yeah. And then you need a higher dose. Well, that's, I have summer goals to go down. So like we have a yearly goal where it's like, for the winter when it's really bad, I'm yeah. allowed to up my medications if I need to. But for the summer, I always aim to go down to like fives. That's always that's really like if good. I could get down to fives and be managing just fine. Yeah, that would be so fucking great. Right. That's my goal, yeah. and I still have a few months. Like I'm going yeah. down. Because then you have room to go up when mm-hmm. things get really bad, exactly. and then it works when you take it. Because mm-hmm. that's the other part. If you build that tolerance, it stops working. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was something I had to be like really explicit with my doctor about and just say, I do not want to be on a pain agreement a, because I'm not willing to stop using THC and CBD together. Cause I do a one-to-one usually. Um, and then two, because if I take them every day, they're going to stop working. Mm-hmm. It will not help me anymore. Yeah. It's rough. Man. And that's not what I need. <laughs> so I think that kind of goes into uh, explicit communication. Explicit communication. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> Go on. Let's talk about some explicit communication. So, for me, explicit. This is something that I've learned over the past like year or two ish. Yeah. Um. And this this applies not only to like the doctor situation, but to communicating with people in my life about how much pain I'm in. Um, when I don't feel good and what I need when I don't feel good. Because a lot of the time we just expect people to know. <laughs> We're like, Which is so unfair. I'm giving off signs that I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, you are an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? You are being so terrible. So learning to be explicit was huge for me in communicating my needs and like being able to get the leeway that I needed from people. Mm-hmm. Like having the grace to bow out of occasions was enormous because there was always so much pressure around um, interacting with family and interacting with friends. Um, and it took a long time for me to learn that I can literally just say, I really don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost friends over this. The, the, they're the kind where if they don't see you all the time, they think you hate them. Yeah. So I've either trained them into being okay with it, or most of my friends understand that mm-hmm. I could go years without seeing you, but we're still going to be really close friends when I see you next time. Like, right. It's going to be like, we didn't miss anything. Yeah, exactly. I just can't always do the thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've learned to be more open about what's going on yeah. with me, and like, even at work, going, I don't feel good. I have a headache. Like, this is where I am in the world right now, and this is how I'm showing up, and I'm doing my best. It's hard to get used to doing that too in the beginning, like, because you're so used to covering it up. Like, there's right. nothing wrong with me. I'm, I've got horrible imposter syndrome. Right. I'm perfectly fine. To going to like expressing, it, I feel like I'll do it all the time with Jen. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll wake up or I'll, I'll, it'll be the middle of her writing. I'm like, Jen, she'll go out. I'm like, I don't feel good. It's like, okay. Well, and then tra- training people that they don't necessarily have to do anything about it. Right. I'm not looking. For, like, like, I'm literally, I'm putting just... it out in the air. Right. I'm acknowledging it for me, and I'm acknowledging it for you. Exactly. <laughs> no, it makes a huge difference. It does. And then they understand. And then you stop having that, like, oh, my God, you're such an asshole. And then you have yeah. to, like, 
you learn to stop being that much of an asshole as well because you feel understood and you feel heard. Yeah, no, me now versus me when I was like 25, when I was an absolute fucking wreck. Mm -hmm. We'd not get along. Yeah. Not at all. Yep. You'd be like, wow, why do you overshare now? Like, no, I need to. Right. I'm not oversharing. I'm just letting people know how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's like, it's a check-in for us too. Yeah. Like checking in with yourself. And acknowledging it. Yeah, hearing myself say it yeah. is huge. Yeah, I think that, and that goes along with that like imposter syndrome thing, mm-hmm. where we have a really hard time believing ourselves as it is. Yep. So being able to say something and acknowledge it and then let it be our truth and be out in the air, <laughs> it's important. And it's important for the people around you because they don't know what to do. Right. Well, imagine how hard it must be when you you don't believe yourself and you're trying to explain it to somebody. Mm-hmm. You just sound so unconvincing. Like, right. Well, it's... well, and then you downplay, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To protect. Oh, God. I downplay the doctors. Yeah. I'm protecting the doctors from my pain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's... The downplay is crazy. Because yeah. it, it is. It's hugely vulnerable. And, and I mean, it feels that way in the beginning. Now, not so much. Right. Like, now it feels perfectly normal to be like, I really don't feel good. I am not happy about being alive in this moment. Mm-hmm. I would like to go lay down. This is what I need. Um, but the people around you, they have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then when we downplay, they really have no idea. <laughs> well, and you go from, like, zero to 60 so fast that way. Mm-hmm. Like, if something actually starts bothering you and you're already, like, putting on the happy face and you just can't anymore. <laughs> there, there was one day... Um, I was talking to my mother-in-law and we were just like sitting at the kitchen and I really didn't feel good. And I let everybody know I was in a lot of pain. And she asked me a question and my brain like flipped, like I flipped my lid and I had to kind of like rein it back in and look at her and go, I almost took your head off (laughs) for that question. That was just stupid. It was a stupid question, but it was enough for like, I was like, I don't want to have to think about this. I don't want to have to like search my brain for answers. My brain's not working. Yeah. But being able to, like, turn to her and go, I almost took your head off, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, I'm in pain, and that was my first instinct. I, that happens with me and Jen all the time. Usually I'll mishear something, or, and I'll be like, I thought you said this. I know you didn't, but this is why I'm, I'm angry now, because uh-huh. I thought you said this. But we're fine. <laughs> when I had my first surgery, and I had been, like, practicing it for a while, uh, my husband would run up the stairs ahead of me, and there was one day I got, like, mad at him. And I had to, like, acknowledge it out loud. I was like, I just got really angry with you because you can go up the stairs normally. You ableist. <laughs> I was like, my brain was really ticked off at you. Yeah. For a second. Oh, God. I don't know. I, that, I do that with Jen, too. Mm-hmm. She'll do something like, yeah, it must be real hard. <laughs> yep. Or, like, she got her shot right. So last night, she's like, I feel achy. I'm I'm hot and I'm cold. And I look over, and I didn't say anything. She's like, I get how you feel now. I have the brain fog. I hate this. And I was like, yes. fair. Yeah. Fair point. Mm-hmm. She beat me to it. I was going to braid her. I was going to be like, really? You're coming at me with this right now? <laughs> I mean, I love you, but. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And it, it does. It gets so much easier when you learn how to, like, hold your ground and stand up and go, these are my needs. And I need yes. them met this way. And teaching people how 
interact interact with you, which we don't do. Right. Which is a shame because when you teach people how to interact with you, then you have like really nice, safe boundaries mm. that you've already done the legwork for. God. I mean, all my friends that I have now, I had to teach. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, if I was angry at you, I would let you know. Yeah. I'm the kind of person that I would just straight up tell you. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry. I'm not, I'm not saying nice things to you to make you angry. I genuinely think you're a good person. Right. <laughs> I still have to do it with my husband all the time. Like, yeah. he'll think I'm hinting about something. I'm like, don't play the I hinting don't game. do hinting. No. no. If I wanted that thing, I would tell you I wanted that thing. Mm-hmm. Usually, if I'm like unclear about something, it's because I haven't decided or like my brain is still trying to figure out what's going on. So he, I'll, he's like, do you want me to carry something? And I'll go, uh, no. He's like, that means yes. And I was like, no, no, that meant I had to like organize my thoughts yeah. and then decide. I kind of have the opposite problem with Jen. She'll think that if I'm saying something sarcastically that I'm hinting. Oh. So she's like, are you being sarcastic or do you want me to get you that thing? And I'm like, no, I'm being sarcastic. Don't worry. See, at least she asks. That's yeah. huge. We used to get into fights over it though. Yeah. Because I was like, no, I was being sarcastic. I didn't actually want you to do the thing. I've had to do that yeah. with my husband and like ask him like, he, he will come at me with the hinting thing, and I just don't have patience for it because, again, it's a waste of energy. Yeah. I'm like, just say what you need to say. So I will stop him where he's at and go, what are you asking me? I had to do it all the time. And just Jen. rephrase and reframe the situation. He's ADD, and go, doesn't he? Yeah. HD. Yeah. They're the same brain. Yeah. No, I, yeah, because Jen has the same problem where, like, yeah. She'll hint and like just just give or, it like to me straight. set up like a story yeah. so that you can present this ask and I'm like stop. Skip all of that. What are you asking? <laughs> yeah, I'm me? good to go with just the ask. Yeah. Just tell me what you need. Yep. Ask me the question. Uh. But it is. It's a it's <laughs> y- you got to learn how to communicate effectively and that's something that we kind of missed out on in childhood. Yeah. I think everybody did. Are we getting knocks? I think so. I heard it. Will you check it? Yes. In the meantime, I will sing the national anthem of zebras. Ow. She stole my thunder. <laughs> I was going to say ow. Come on. I knew right when you were opening it. Okay, what do you need? I wanted to hang out. We're recording a podcast right now? Oh. I love you, though. We'll hang out after, okay? Yeah, I have to explain to Jen sometimes that, like, it's it's not normal for them to be okay with that. Like, a lot of kids would right. throw temper tantrums or, yeah. you know, like, Sophie will be like, or at nighttime when I'm like, go to bed, and they have to turn off their computers and everything. They don't throw temper tantrums. They go, yeah. okay. And they right. turn everything off and they go to bed. Well, and I think that has a lot to do, like, coming back to that explicit piece. Yeah, it's being just exactly right. straightforward. I've always, right. I've always, always talked straight with those kids. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, beating around the bush Mm -hmm. or, like, just because or, yeah, like, access to information and being honest, honest communicators. Yeah. And they're good communicators, too. (laughs) Like They are. They're very good at, like, I have a need and I would like it to be met now, please. Let's see. What else is on the list? What have we not talked about? Hmm. We kind of hit on everything but that one. Oh, encountering random zebras. I don't meet random zebras. I don't go out. I have met... Not really. Just kidding. Nope. <laughs> We're just naturally homebodies. I've met zebras in Vegas. I've oh, met yeah. zebras at the farmer's market. I've <laughs> met zebras at the gym. I've met zebras standing in line 
at like gas stations. Like I watched. That's trippy. I watched a kid turn his heels. You know how we when we're standing mm-hmm. in line and we pop them. Yep. I watched a kid doing that, and afterwards I like approached him. And I was like, "So, this sounds really weird, and I'm sorry, but do you have like joint pain and all this stuff?" Because he was like maybe twenty, mm-hmm. maybe. And he was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Maybe you should look up Ehlers Danlos Syndrome." <laughs> Just, and I left it with that, and I was like. Good luck. We need like little cards, mm-hmm. you know, like you might have this. Right. Just, just look it up. Because they do. They like, it's rare. It's not rare. It's not. It's really, unless you know what you're looking for, yeah. it could be really hard to spot. And like, well, and doctors don't get trained on it. Yeah. Most doctors that I've met, I've had to teach. I love that when they're like, what is that? Yeah. I've, I remember in, in, in school, they, it was stretchy. You guys like, remind skate? me about this. Well, it's like, that's just one part of it. Let's go into the whole shebang. Uh-huh. Like, my collagen is broken. It does not work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's always a fun one. Yeah, meeting zebras all over the place. All the time. Where they're like, oh, someone mentioned that to me once upon a time. I was like, now do some research. Hey, look into it. It could change that's, your life. That's what that is. <laughs> where you, like, randomly put people through the Biden score. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Can you do this? How about this? <laughs> <laughs> and usually it's because I'm like wearing a brace. Yeah. And people are like, oh, what's that for? See, and I wish I had I more physical stuff. I have a cane. Yeah. Or a walker. Or a crutch. I don't like those, though. Yeah. I don't like using the cane. But I don't, I don't have like anything that like I can point to be like, look, I have a, f- a very right. obvious physical disability. Right. Because it's that like visible versus invisible yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't have any of those. Yeah, it's challenging. And I almost don't wear my braces anymore at all. You break your braces. I do. <laughs> I watched you crunch one on this that couch. That was fabulous. <laughs> I was like, I need to reach the thing. Stop in the brace. And then I was like, no, I'm going to reach the thing. And I <laughs> The brace was screaming it. out, don't, d- do not. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And then I broke the brace. No more brace for her. It was a good time. Like, broke it, broke it. Yeah, it's dead. <laughs> like, Popped screws out of it and everything. <laughs> the little bearing was just gone. The little spirit came out of it. Right. Just into the ether. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that, that that about covers it for today. I think so. Hopefully it was educational or, or entertaining or edutational. 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 And now I've had a stroke. Yeah. It's been a long day. Right? Many strokes this have been This room had. is warm. I know. Like, I'm getting hot, so I'm like... I'm melting. It's time to wrap it up for the sake of not overheating. Yes. So, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Indeed. Take care. Or don't. I'm not... Do whatever works for you. I'm sorry. She's just like that. Also, drink some water. Oh, yeah. Hydrate. <laughs> On that note, we'll see ya. Bye. Bye.